You can go ahead and take a seat if you'd like to. I'd like to welcome you here this morning at Faith Family Fellowship. My name is Matthew, one of the pastors here. Would, uh, if you're a guest, just want to extend a welcome to you. We're glad you're here. We're glad you've chosen to join us here this morning to worship 
uh, the Lord Jesus. And so there should be a card right in front of you in the pew that says connection card. If you would like to grab that, fill that out just so we can have a record of you being here. Drop that in the offering basket on your way out this morning. Uh, would love to be able to reach out to you this week and pray for you, see if there's anything we can do for you. So I want to bring a few things to mind. Uh, right now it's fall break, and so the office will be closed tomorrow. If there's anything happen, please give, give us a call. You can still call the office, and it'll get, get to the right place uh, with, with anything that happens tomorrow. But there will not be anyone in the office tomorrow morning. Also, uh, we are, we're coming up on Christmas, so as we talked last week, I uh, still want to remind you about Operation, Operation Christmas Child, the boxes at the back of uh, the room. You're welcome to grab one of those on your way out. And also uh, the uh, global relief of giving gifts towards that, two things to pray for and to consider uh, of these outreach opportunities as we near Christmas. Uh, so we are in, uh, in a season of memorizing Scripture together. And so we are looking at Romans 3 this morning. And so if you would, let's, uh, let's recite it again and uh, look over these two verses and we'll talk a bit about it. So if you would read with me, we'll read through it and then read the, uh, the, uh, the Romans 3, uh, 23 and 24 at the end. All right. So if you would read with me. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Romans 3, 23 and 24. One more time. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Romans 3, 23 through 24. So for all have sinned, all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. And so this is something we are born into, but it's also something we continue. He, Paul, who wrote this letter to the churches in Rome, he has just talked about whether the Jews are better than the Gentiles because they have the law, and whether they have special treatment and special perspective from God because of the law, and he is uniting all people here in this verse. All have sinned. We are all in unison in our position before God. One, because we are human, and because Adam and Eve are our predecessors, and so we are born into this reality that sin has affected the world. But two, we decide to rebel against God. It is not only something we exist in, but it's something on our own we volitionally take part in. So we, no matter where we are at, no matter what we come from, we do not have a place of privilege that because of our upbringing, because of our position, because of our ability, because of anything, for all have sinned. We all have this pronouncement upon us. And because we all have sinned, we all have fallen short. We all have missed the mark. We all have missed what God has made us to be. And so, we'll talk about it later, but because there is redemption, I want to mention it. That even though this is the reality, God has made a way, the way, who is the truth, and has provided that we can have the life. Jesus 
has come and taken that sin upon himself that we can be forgiven in him, in what he historically has done at one point in giving his life on the cross. And that he, after three days, rose in victory, in destruction over sin and death, that all who have sinned and fallen short of God's glory can be remade by his grace, can be forgiven by Christ, that he has died in our place. And so that is why we gather together, we gather together to worship this Lord who has given himself that we can be forgiven. What we do not deserve forgiveness for, he has given us mercy. It's a cause to rejoice. And so we get to rejoice around the table as he gives us these pictures of what he has done. And we get that privilege this morning. And so let's pray, if you would pray with me, and we will... Uh, ask the Lord's blessing on our continued time together. Father God, thank you, Lord, that even though we have all sinned, we have fallen short, we have missed the mark, we are not what you have created us to be, but we have, in our heart, have rebelled, in our souls, we have corrupted ourselves. Uh, Lord, we find ourselves in that position, but also we have chosen that way. We have chosen to re- to turn away from you, to to spit upon your hand of mercy, and your work of grace in in our lives, your patience, Lord, to see to see your patience, your kindness that is meant to lead us and re- to bring us to repentance, Lord, as we have rejected and rebelled against you. And even though that is our volition, that is our position, that is what we've decided to do. You have provided in your Son. Thank you, God, for your grace that Jesus came redemption that is in him, he came as a propitiation that by his blood to be received by faith, we can be forgiven. We can be redeemed. We can receive the grace of salvation. And so, Father, I ask your help upon us. Would you remind us of your goodness and your grace? Would you remind us this morning of your mercy and what it cost? What it cost that we would be forgiven, Lord. And Lord, also, would you Reveal to us, reveal to us the true nature, Lord, of our sin and our rebellion against you and of your patient goodness in our lives. That, God, if there is someone here this morning who does not know you, that you would draw them to grace this morning. They would see Christ high and lifted up and trust in you. In your merciful work of grace on the cross. And that by that grace they would be restored recreated in the garden before the fall to know you and to walk with you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Would you be with us this morning and speak to us, God. May you be exalted and lifted up in this time that we would all be drawn to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's stand as we continue to worship in song.
body bowed and drenched in tears. They laid him down in Joseph's tomb. He Sing your praise, O oh Lord. 
built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust on Jesus' name. is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest thrill, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. Christ Savior's love through the sword. He is Lord, Lord of all. When darkness seems to hide His face, I rest on His unchanging
I've been chasing him down all morning. He's like Flash Gordon. I can't, I can't catch him. Uh, Alex, thank you for leading us in worship uh, through song this morning. And uh, he came in and out of the office earlier just singing and having a great time. And I, I went to say, uh, man, what, why are you so happy today? And I, he was gone. And uh, anyway, good to see you this morning. Uh, and it's good to see you guys this morning. Glad you're here. I know that a lot of our uh, uh, parents, uh, public school kids, have taken opportunity to go and uh, take advantage of the weekend. And uh, but we're glad that you are here. And I've got maybe the most uh, one of the most unusual titles I've ever given to a sermon. And uh, I, I'm thinking about doing a, writing a rap song using it because the title of it is the master's crib okay okay well uh, I, I got it right out of the text of scripture all right I mean you didn't know God was so cool did you uh, yeah he is uh, actually what uh, what a wonderful savior we have I, I, w I was going to approach this uh, text more negatively and and then it hit me uh, you don't have to hit the negative the negative is there and uh, I want to pull out some of the positives that you and I can draw from and and negatives not always a bad thing uh, you know if you're making a diagnosis of a disease uh, you want the right diagnosis if your car's broken down uh, uh, there's some negative that is there and and we have the positive of salvation in Christ that we're going to celebrate in a few moments at the Lord's table uh, lengthy passage of scripture that I want to read uh, for you this morning so uh, if you have a copy of God's Word the book of Isaiah chapter 1 and we're talking about being a living church this talks about 
coming to worship and God basically not showing up. And uh, that's a pretty negative thing. Have you come to church and not seen God, felt God? Uh, That's the text. So Isaiah begins with the vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. So let me just stop. We're talking about the southern tribes and not the northern tribes. This is after the division. So uh, Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah and Jotham, Ahaz and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. So hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. And this is what he says. Children have I reared and brought up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner and the donkey its master's crib, but Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, children who deal corruptly. They have forsaken the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They have utterly estranged, or they are utterly estranged. So why will you still be struck down? Why will you continue to rebel? The whole head is sick. And the whole heart is faint. And from the sole of the foot even to the head there is no soundness in it. But bruises and sores and raw wounds. They are not pressed out. They are not bound up or softened with oil. Your country lies desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. In your very presence foreigners devour your land. It is desolate as overthrown by foreigners. And the daughter of Zion is left like a booth in a vineyard, like a lodge in a cucumber field, like a besieged city. If the Lord of hosts had not left us a few survivors, we would have been like Sodom and become like Gomorrah. So, hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the teaching of our God, you people of Gomorrah. What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord. I've had enough of your burnt offerings of rams and the fat of well-fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or of goats. And when you come to appear before me, who has required of you this trampling of my courts? Bring no more vain offerings... Incense is an abomination to me, new moon and Sabbath and the calling of convocations. I cannot endure iniquity and solemn assembly. Even your new moons and your appointed feasts my soul hates. They have become a burden and I am weary of bearing them. And when you spread out your hands, I hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers... I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. So wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes and cease to do evil. Learn to do good and seek justice and correct oppression and bring justice to the fatherless 
and plead the widow's cause. But come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. And though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. And if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be eaten by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And then I want to continue in Isaiah to Isaiah 64 verses 1 and 2. Oh, that you would rend the heavens, a prayer to God. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains might quake at your presence, as when fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries and the nations might tremble at your presence. And then in verses 8 and 9 of Isaiah 64. But now, O Lord, you are our Father and we're the clay. You are our potter, and we are the work of your hand. Be not so terribly angry, O Lord, and remember not iniquity forever. Behold, please look, for we are your people. And then in chapter 65, I was ready to be sought by those who did not ask for me. I was ready to be found by those who did not seek me. I said, here I am. Here I am to a nation that was not called by my name. I spread out my hands all the day to a rebellious people who walk in a way that is not good, following their own devices. And then lastly, from Isaiah 66, verses 1 and 2, Thus says the Lord, Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What is the house that you would build for me? And what is the place of my rest? All these things my hands have made, and all these things came to be, declares the Lord. But to this one, to whom I will look, he who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. Would you join me again in a word of prayer? And Father, we come to, to uh, some, some really strong words that you gave to the nation of e Egypt. Uh, strong words that you have given to the nation of Assyria. Uh, the strong words that you have given to Israel. And, uh, and Father, in so many ways, we can, we can hear these same words of, of assessment on our lives today. We are a people of God in, in a nation that is becoming more and more crooked, uh, more and more filled with iniquity. And Lord, even among the churches, we see sin uh, that is abounding. And when we look at our own individual lives, we, we find ourselves doing that which we ought not do and not doing that which we ought to do. And Lord, our help comes from you. And so it is to you that we want to look this morning and ask for you uh, to bring us to the table, as it were, and feed us on the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray in his name. Amen.
You see, it's uh, everywhere I'm reading now, as far as uh, uh, articles that are written about church and, and pastors, uh, I'm reading that, there, that we're in a leadership crisis, in particular among the evangelical church. That would include uh, those of us uh, here. And uh, it's not just a crisis of leadership among uh, evangelical churches, but it really is a crisis of leadership around in every aspect of life. Uh, we're, we're facing some un- uncertain times right now. Uh, COVID has uh, kind of interrupted everything. Uh, We're hearing a term that we hardly ever heard before. I I can't remember the last time I heard supply chain uh, or term uh, before the last uh, couple of months. But we can continue to hear the supply chain is is not there. Uh, We're we're looking for people that are willing to work and... uh, there is a, uh, a crisis, and I, I, I want to identify what may be at the root of it, and uh, I didn't come up with this. I, I can't remember who I read it by, uh, but they, they titled it The Pandemic of Narcissism, okay? The Pandemic of Narcissism. Well, what does narcissism mean? Well, it, it means to be uh, self-centered, Uh, everything becomes about me and uh, when you talk about uh, the supply chain for example in the economy uh, you know what you have to do if you're going to work in the supply chain you have to be a servant of all and if you're going to be a a a good leader in a corporate setting uh, you you can't rule uh, authoritatively unless you've learned to be a servant of all. Uh, you can't be a Christian and be like Christ unless you're willing to be what? A servant of all. You can't be a leader in the church unless you're being willing to be the servant of all. And uh, it, it really gets at the core of pride and self-centeredness. And uh, you and I are looking at uh, COVID or whatever our circumstance may be and saying I just wish it were gone and and we all wish it were gone and yet at the same time it becomes a revealer of reality and what it's revealing is 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 we have a sin problem we all have a sin problem I've got a sin problem you've got a sin problem The world's got a sin problem. The church has a sin problem. And that's exactly what God addresses here as he's looking at Israel, who's who's in in the balance between a nation to their south, Egypt, and a nation to their north, Assyria, who uh, are going to do battle with one another. And Israel is caught right in the middle. And God has told them to align themselves with God himself and no one else. And Israel's wanting to align themselves with Egypt because of their history of seeing God's redemption uh, through the nation of Egypt uh, in their past. And I would dare say that we can fall into the same trap of, of wanting some kind of assistance and some kind of help. If, if I can buy this, if I can sell that, if I can go here and if I can get this training, if I can get that 
And the reality is, whether you're, you're old or you're very young, you and I need to know that we are in right relationship with Christ. And out of that relationship, everything else will flow. So the scripture says God is going to look to whom? Uh, he looks to the humble. He looks to the contrite in spirit. He looks to the one that trembles at his word. And uh, I want to take you back again to uh, uh, the, the first chapter. So uh, with that in, as a foundation, I want to do, uh, break it down in three parts. The first part of this text is a, a national assessment that God gives to the people. It's really an assessment of, of Egypt more than it is one of Israel at this particular point in time. And if you and I are to kind of put it in context, it might be better understood that he's trying to help us to know this is the world in which we live. And remind us, we're not to love the world, neither the things that are in the world... Because all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. This world's not going to save us. And as he makes this assessment, notice he, he says the condition you're in is one of an unnatural affection. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, well notice what he says there in verse 2 of Isaiah 1. He, he, he says, heaven and earth are giving witness. In other words, you can't hide from the truth. And the truth is, you are children that I have reared and brought up. Now, you might conclude, and there's some argument as to whether this is the correct interpretation or not. You might conclude he's talking to Israel there. But I do think he's talking about Egypt. I think he's talking about Assyria. I think he's talking about the world in general. You know, when we talk about being uh, sinners by nature, the reality is God made us in his image. In the image of God, he made male and female. And it's really not natural for the creations of God to sin. It really is unnatural for us to do that. It is natural for us to do what is right. But because we are broken by our old sinful nature, we wind up doing those things that are wrong and we have all rebelled against the Lord. It's, it's unnatural for an ox not to know who his master is or a donkey to not know where to go get his food. That's what the crib is. It's, it's actually uh, some translations translated manger. Okay, It's where you, the feeding trough. It's not, it's not natural. And what we are doing is, is everybody is putting their affections on the wrong things. Last Sunday night, those of you that were here, we had some pictures we put up on the screen showing different things that we place our affections on. And it was just, uh, you know, and, and uh, I left it to my wife to pick the pictures, the one that she left off that I wanted up there was the one of the big ice cream sundae. You know, because sometimes food can be affection, can't it? Can't we have great affections for food? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we put our affection on so many other things, and God is calling us to put our 
Highest affection where? Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all of these things will be added unto you. So in his assessment of the nation, and I think that would be true of our nation, uh, we have set our affection on all the wrong things. All the wrong things. Uh, Secondly, uh, he identifies a terminal disease that the world has. Now, this is simple. You've known this uh, through reading the scripture. But he asks the question, why do you continue to rebel? And he gives the answer. The whole head is sick and the whole heart is faint. We all have a sin problem. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? We all have this disease of sin. He, he, uh, he gives some really gross uh, description here in verse 6 when he talks about the uh, uh, soles of our feet to our head having sores on them, bruises, raw, raw wounds. Uh, uh, they're not even pressed out. In other words, the, the, the ooze of the disease is not removed. The it's not bound and, and bandaged up. It's not taken care of. We just continue to do the same thing over and over again expect different results. And that's what we do as a society. You know what? Congress is one day going to make a law that's going to fix everything, right? Right. <laughs> I mean, every, every time, you know... It, we have so much hope. We're going we're gonna to vote this party in. We're going to vote this candidate in. We're going to get the right people in the right place. And they're going to fix it. We have a terminal disease. The wages of sin is death. They can't fix it. They won't fix it. And God is reminding us of what kind of situation we find ourselves in yet notice in verse 9 he gives us a hopeful remnant amen this is his church notice what he says and if the Lord of hosts had not left us a few survivors we would be like Sodom and Gomorrah what's the hope of America today it's Christ but it's Christ through his church and that's why it's essential that we correct these issues that we have. The, the, the pride problems that we have in leadership uh, in churches. Uh, we preachers being some of the worst uh, of the kind. Uh, of, of taking authority upon ourselves that only belongs to the, the Lord himself. Uh, and uh, we need to pray about what's going on and I, I think just about every denomination every uh, evangelical and when we say evangelical we're talking about people who share the gospel the true gospel of Jesus Christ and so we've got a crisis but we have a hopeful remnant he says but number two not only is there a na- national assessment that he gives in verses one through nine there's a biblical abhorrence that he gives us in verses 10 through 17 And why do I say a biblical abhorrence? Because we see through these words, God abhors our sin. But notice how he begins it. Hear the word of the Lord. How do we know what is wrong? How do we know what is sin? 
There's not a voice that comes out of heaven and speaks and says, you shouldn't do that. You know, I, I may say, well, my conscience, let my conscience be my guide, right? Little uh, Jiminy, thank you, Jiminy Cricket sitting on my shoulder, letting my conscience be my guide. It, it really doesn't happen because my conscience sometimes can say, it's okay. Go ahead and do whatever you want to do. But the prophet here is reminding us what God says. Hear the word of the Lord and give ear to the teaching of our God. God is instructing us. God is training us. He's telling us what to do and he does it through the word of God. This isn't just a... A book of man. It is written by God. It was God breathed. The Holy Spirit of God moved the hearts of people. Uh, do you believe it's like dictation? I, I don't think so because they all have their different vocabularies. They all have different uh, backgrounds. You can see it coming through. When Luke writes, he writes as a physician. And you can see it in the language that he uses. Uh, God used individuals and their personality, but they were moved by the Holy Spirit of God so that every word that you and I have is exactly what God wants to teach us. That's why we teach the Scripture at Faith Family. That's why we do it in our Sunday school classes. We want to instruct. It was uh, Pastor Kevin DeYoung who wrote an article, uh, I think it was October, I mean August the 24th is when he wrote it. Uh, in, in that article, he made this statement, the world is catechizing the church. Now, what does that mean? Well, to catechize is to instruct, it's to teach. Uh, you may have heard of a catechism. We actually have a Baptist catechism. That may shock you to death to know that we do, but we do have a Baptist catechism. It's a teaching of this is what the Scripture says. Well, guess what the world is doing? The world is telling you and I what to believe. It tells us how to talk. It tells us what we can say and what we can't say. And if you don't believe it, just go get on TV and say what you really think. Okay? And uh, I can do that to, since uh, the sermons are online. I, I can do that from the pulpit. And... When, when you do, you know exactly what comes back. It, you get back the reaction of the world. The world is telling us constantly what to believe, how to talk, and how to behave. And it goes contrary to the ways of God. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are so much higher than ours. Uh, Isaiah says in Isaiah 55... And you and I need to remember that. So notice they, the, they departed from God's Word. That was what was the trouble with what was going on. It's what's wrong with us. It's what's wrong with our nation. And you and I want to share the Scripture with them. Uh, the unbeliever. And this is what they say. I don't believe that. Don't give me that religion bit. I, I, you know, all that... All, all, Christianity is is judgmental it's hatred pardon me <laughs> where's the hatred coming from where where's the judgment coming from you know it, it comes from a world system that is set against the things of God 
And I share this with you again, and that is you and I, we don't have to defend the Word of God. We just simply have to share the Word of God. It is powerful. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It cuts into the soul of the human being. They departed from the Word of God. They also despised, or the Lord despised uh, uh, their religion in verses 11 through 14. I'm not going to read it all, but just look at it. Verse 11, I've had enough. (laughs) That's what I was going to name the sermon. I've had enough. I mean, could you imagine coming to God on Sunday morning and God just showing up and saying, I've had enough. Get out. Well, that's what he says. I've had enough. You were more concerned with what clothes you came on, uh, uh, came putting on your, your body rather than your heart. Rather than what was in your mind. He says, uh, I don't delight in, in what you're doing. And we're talking about religion. And, and I mean that to be opposed to the, the humble, contrite, and broken spirit that trembles at God's word. That's what he longs for. He doesn't long for our, our religious activity. In verse 13 he says, bring no more offerings. Empty offerings. Don't bring them anymore. He says, I I cannot endure your iniquity. Verse 14, he says, my soul hates your feasts. Uh, They become a burden to me. I'm weary of bearing with all the religious activities that you're doing. It almost sounds like you ought to lock the doors of the church and quit coming when you read this. But he's talking about religion and You know the difference between religion and Christianity. Christianity is Christ-centered. Religion is man-centered. Religion is how can I get to God. Christianity is God coming and getting us. You, You are saved by grace. That God came seeking you. He sought you out. Called you by name. That was one of, the, one of our children uh, uh, talked with me last Sunday after church. We were sitting up here on the front. And uh, she was telling me about uh, what happened the other day with her. And this is exactly her words. Fourth grader. She said, God called my name. God called my name. I said, yes. Amen. So God despises our religion. He won't listen to it. But then look in verses 16 and 17. He gives a directive to repent. God tells us what to do. And I realize I'm being uh, as brief as I can be with a long text this morning. But he says uh, repent. Notice what he says. There's actually three sets of three here. And we don't have time to delineate what they are. But he says in verse 16. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean and remove evil of the deeds from before your eyes. Cease to to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. And plead the widow's cause. What is he saying? There needs to be a transformation that takes place. And you and I look at that and I go, well, where do I wash? Hmm? At the fountain of Christ. Amen? Where's their cleansing from my, for my soul? How can I make myself clean and remove my evil? It takes grace. 
That's why we come to the Lord's table as we do to remind us there is no other. There's no other solution. There's no other Old Testament labor where the priests would wash their hands. There's no spiritual bathtub or spiritual shower that you and I can take apart from Christ who saves us from our sin. It's through the shedding of His blood that we are cleansed. And now we get to the, what I've been wanting to get to all along, okay? My favorite part. And that is uh, a delightful application in verses 18 through 20. Notice the sovereign's call in verse 18. He says, come now and let us reason together. It, uh, the Hebrew word, is a, it's a forensic term. It's an investigative legal term. It, it, it's, it's like saying, come to the, uh, uh, approach the bench. I, I served jury duty a couple of weeks ago, or, and uh, I don't know how many times the judge said, would you please approach the bench? Or if someone wanted to talk to the judge, may I please approach the bench? That's exactly what God's saying. Come approach the bench. Now, wait a minute. This is the God who hates sin. This is the God who wants my life clean. He's the one who wants everything right. And he is saying, come. Man, I said this to somebody the other day. I said, you know, I spent three years of my life going to the principal's office every day. And he looked at me and went, what all did you do? Well, I did the morning devotionals over the intercom at high school, okay? That was back in the day when uh, I could get by with it, all right? But, uh, you know, to hear it come to the principal's office, if you're, if you're a teen or a student, what does that mean? It means you're in trouble, right? That's what, that's what goes through your mind. You know, I don't know, do you do this? You're going 55 miles an hour down the, 55 mile an hour highway? And I know... I realize that's hard to believe that you're going 55 in a 55, but you are. And you've got your cruise control set on, uh, spot on 55. And when you see the police car down the road, what do you do? Slow down. (laughs) God is saying, come, let us reason together. There's his call. So there's the sovereign's call, but there's the son's cleansing in verse 18. He says, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become as wool. Now what you've got to understand here is, uh, he, uh, he says your hands are bloody because of sin. There's blood guilt on your hands. Uh, It's starting to get a little cooler and... uh, one of, one of my favorite things about cold months is uh, we make borscht. How many of you know, even know what borscht is? Okay, not, not hardly any, no, nobody really knows. Well, it, it's, it's, uh, it's an a Eastern European dish, okay? You, it's it's going to sound delicious. Just listen to this. You, you boil a uh, roast in water. And then you slice it up real thin, and then you add uh, your great beets, fresh beets, red beets, and you put it in there, and then you put cabbage in there, and then you pour vinegar in it. Doesn't that sound delicious? 
Sounds awful, doesn't it? But I, I can remember the first time, and we just learned how to do it about five or six years ago. Janet said, would you, would you uh, grate the beets? And so I started grating the beets, and I started looking at my hands. And man, my hands were stained red. And when I saw the, the, the grated uh, part of the beet on my hand, it looked like I'd put my hand in the, a blender or down in the... Uh, uh, garbage disposal and it turned it on so being a good husband like I am I went Janet! I hurt myself I'm bleeding and she just loved that she thanks me for doing that to her okay <laughs> uh, it took a lot to get it off alright to get the stain off I want to make a point here one of the commentators I read made. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be like wool. Or, or snow, rather. And he said, we're not talking about something that's bleached. Snow's not bleached. It is perfectly white. Christ doesn't come and bleach your life out. He gives you something altogether New. He gives you new life. That's what the wool is. The wool is white. He, do, he doesn't cleanse just what. Oh God, would you just get the stains of sin off my hand? No, I will give you, I'll take the heart of stone out of you and I'll put a heart of flesh in. I'll make a new person out of you. I'll make you to be my child now and forevermore. And then let me close with the sinner's compliance. Because God says, if you are willing and obedient. If you are willing and obedient. Oh, is God my potter? Oh, He is. I, I heard Him call my name long, long time ago. And I said yes to Him. And He made me to be His child. Now... When, when, when you look at my hands, you may say, you have no right, really, to be up in that pulpit. And you know what? You would be exactly right. Apart from the grace of God. None of us have the right to be here. No, no one of us has the right to speak the name, the sweetest name that was ever named in the name of Jesus, except by grace. That's, that's the glory of what Christ has done. And when we come to this table in just a moment, that's what we're saying. We're coming for God's grace. We're coming not just that He would wash away our sin, but that He would give us new life in Christ. Make us new through the blood of Jesus Christ. So let me close with uh, four admonitions. Number one, trust God's sovereignty. The ox knows his master. God's in control. This world may seem like it's flying apart, but guess what? God's got a, he's got something going on here. He has an eternal purpose. He's going to exalt his son. For, for him and to him and through him all things exist. To him be glory now and forevermore. That is our Savior. So trust God's sovereignty and then secondly, return to God's purity. 
That's what he said. Come and be cleansed. Don't, don't be satisfied as a Christian to say, yeah, I've got the, the dirt of daily living in this world all over me. Come in repentance of heart and ask God to cleanse you fresh and anew through the blood of His Son, Jesus. Thirdly, seek God's glory. Seek God's glory. That It's all for Him. It's, it's not, it's not, we, don't, we don't come to get transformed so we can be better people and everybody say, oh, what an outstanding person you are. Okay? When God cleans us up and we live righteously and holy before a lost world, what do we do? We point to Jesus. We point to the Savior. Everything good is for Him. And then wa- uh, wash in God's charity. I was trying to get a T-Y word, okay, love. <laughs> wash in His love, but His charity, that, that old uh, King James word. Wash yourself in God's love. So we're going to give a call uh, to come to Christ Anybody that has not trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior and you're hearing His call to your heart, we invite you to come. It's a time to prepare your heart for taking the Lord's Supper and knowing that as you take the Lord's Supper, you realize your cleansing comes through the precious blood of Jesus Christ and it is grace upon grace by which you receive that cleansing. So let's bow together in prayer and then we'll stand and sing. And Father, we come to this moment to respond to, Lord, your assessment in our life. Lord, to come to to realize that uh, apart from you we can do nothing. Lord, to understand that we should tremble at your word because you don't tolerate sin. And even though at times we, we may... Uh, Lord, it is not to be acceptable in the life of your people uh, to tolerate sin. So, Lord, help us then come for the application of the precious grace that is ours through Jesus Christ and let it become such a delight to our souls for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to stand to our feet. We're going to sing a song in the morning when I rise. And if you need to come follow Christ, we invite you to come. Uh, If you need to join Faith Family Fellowship, we'll tell you how to do so at this time. Okay? You respond. In the morning when I rise In the morning when I rise seated. 
I do want you to uh, see, as Matthew reminded us, this, this is a symbol of great spiritual truth. Uh, this being uh, the bread uh, representing the body of Christ, where Christ gave his life for us, and his blood that was shed for us. Uh, we invite all who have been saved, born again of the Spirit of God, to participate. And if you did not receive uh, one of the little... Uh, containers when you came in there on the back tables out there if you'll go pick one up at this time and uh, we again do this in remembrance of Christ and knowing that uh, the Lord says come let us reason together so you approach the bench and you see there that Christ has done what shed his blood for you given his life for you and the judge declares you not guilty because of him so come let us reason though your sins be as scarlet they shall be white as snow though they be red like crimson they shall be as wool and so we want to come to take of the bread as we were instructed uh, by the scripture so if you will uh, remove that uh, little cellophane part at the top and take out the wafer the scripture says for I receive from the Lord that which I also deliver to you that the Lord Jesus on the night in which he was betrayed he took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and he said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me so would you take and eat And we thank the Lord Jesus for bearing in his body our sins on the cross of Calvary. Uh, we who were dead, he has made alive through the resurrection of his body. And then we come to the cup where it says, In the same way he also took the cup after supper. i got to stop. I forgot to tell you to peel back that little part as well, that little aluminum part. So in the same way he took the cup after supper and he said this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so the Lord said as often as you eat this bread and drink of this cup you do show forth the Lord's death. Until he comes. Amen. Now. Uh